Hey folks, it's Lauren for Little Miss Neurodivergence, recording this for you from Singapore. And on this episode, I wanted to talk about some of the traits of ADHD and autism, which I had in my childhood. Um, I'll probably go up to the age of about 12. And the reason I think it's important to talk about this and put it out there is because from what I understand, it's a little hard for women or assigned female at birth to get diagnosed because their traits present a little differently from boys. And that is not to say that boys or assigned male at birth folks don't get socialized to present the same way um, as the former category does. But um, yeah, I'm just going to share what my experiences were like that I think were missed. So um, when I was really young, I think maybe age two, I had started to write. And then when I was three, I was reading. And I believe the term for this is being hyperlexic. Um, if you've heard of it, which apparently can be quite common among those of us with a missed diagnosis. I was really ahead of my peers in terms of language, but on the flip side, I remember at that age, completely struggling with numbers and counting out objects. And the reason I remember this is because my dad was the one who was teaching me at some point. And I remember him holding up these flashcards and getting really frustrated with me that I was unable to like count or recognize numbers. Um, and I didn't have that problem with the letters of the alphabet. Um, and speaking of reading, I remember something that my mom pointed out when I was learning to read, which was back in the 90s. And we used to use these readers called Peter and Jane, I think, if that's the series. And the first book in that series is called, like, it's labeled 1A, that's the reader. And I was reading, like, the first page or the first few pages, which said Peter, Jane, and then this is Peter, this is Jane. And my mom asked me, like, why are you reading it in such a flat tone? And she demonstrated how I should read quote unquote with expression and I remember mimicking her inflection or her tone and to me that is just really autism coded you know with like mimicking the way um, people speak or sound um, which I think might be echolalia I may be mistaken um, but yeah so that to me was another sign that I kind of naturally had a more like flat 
or an expressive way of speaking. And I remember as well that I would catch myself kind of speaking in a way where it was not like smooth. I would kind of speak in a way that was like a few words, a few words, a few words, just kind of to my mind unnatural. And I would like try to practice speaking in more flowy or flowing kind of sentences, if that makes sense. Um, yeah, and I know I can still hear myself get into that like um, staccato or like start and stop rhythm of speaking sometimes if I don't have the chance to like script, you know, or like prepare what I'm about to say. Um, even now in my mid-30s. So yeah, something that was there in childhood that I feel was a big sign. Something else that was probably really missed in my childhood is that I would be really unable to sit down and hold my focus on a task um, if it was like, I guess, I mean, whatever it was, I off the top of my head can't think of a like example, but I yeah would get like reprimanded a lot for fidgeting, which to me reads like either you know like the ADHD piece, which is the hyperactivity, or I would not be like paying attention. So it might look like I was focused, but I would have no idea what was say like in class being taught. And it could also be the autism piece, which is like stimming behaviors, you know, because I remember like counting a lot when I was a kid, I would count in like denominations of five and then it would be eight sometimes or like just you know just kind of counting out like the way I would move my fingers or like if I would grind my teeth like I would count that out and um yeah so that could be the ADHD and or autism which I still grind my teeth by the way it happens whenever it happens it's not like I'm consciously like okay, I need to calm down and then I start grinding, like I will just kind of catch myself grinding my teeth. And I would hate to know what my teeth look like. <laughs> if any of you are interested in orthodontics. Um, but yeah, something that I did a lot that was missed, which is like repetitive behavior. Another example of repetitive behavior that I did that um, I guess no one put two and two together was the fact that I had this little pillow, a small pillow, like my mom would call it my small pillow. And okay, first of all, I kept it until I was like 28 years old when it absolutely fell apart. And I tried to replace it with another small pillow, but it was not the same. Um, but the point is, I had this small pillow and there was like one corner specifically that I would just like rub my finger over and over and over again, which could be hyperactivity or it could be like a stimming behavior because 
I remember that particular corner of that pillow was really, really like smooth and it just like pleased me on a really deep level, like with regards to like my sensory needs. And I could not travel without that pillow. If we went for a vacation, that pillow would be one of the first few things in my suitcase. I've literally never been anywhere without it. Um, when I went to camp for Girl Scouts when I was like 14, that pillow came with me. For school camp when I was 15, that pillow came with me. Otherwise, I was not going to get to sleep. And I think like eventually I kind of trained myself when I was like I said, you know, by the time I tried to replace it, I was in my like late 20s or early 30s. And I can't remember what I replaced it with, honestly. Oh, I know what I replaced it with. That's another behavior which I've had since I was a kid, which is that when I'm lying down on like my bed, one of my legs will just be continuously like moving and like rubbing along the sheets and it can't just be any sheets like i'm really particular about the material of my blanket or my bed sheets like if it's that plasticky polyester ish thing which you know like cheap bed sheets tend to be at least my cheap bed sheets tend to be in that material no no leg rubbing is going to happen and like I think that's when I will start to grind my teeth but if it's like a cotton bed sheet or if it's like a well-worn bed sheet or blanket oh my god like my leg will not stop and part of the reason I realize this is because I have cats as you know uh if you've listened to previous episodes and um one or two of my cats will sleep at the foot of my bed and Sometimes I think like they think the movement is playing and so they'll like reach out and scratch me and I'll be like, ouch. And like, I'll be like, oh, I didn't realize that my leg was just kind of like having a mind of its own um, and just, you know, doing its thing. So yeah, like those are the really pleasant sensory um, stuff that I seek out that I have done since I was young. And on the flip side of like pleasant sensory um, input, when I was a kid, I really, really struggled with like, you know, those frilly socks that parents like to put on their little girls that have like these really cute, intricate patterns that you wear with like your Mary Janes. So my mom would put me in those. And if it wasn't the lace of the like socks that was bugging the crap out of me, it would be like, you know, that little seam by your toes. And if it didn't sit just right, I would constantly be pausing to like readjust it. Like I'd take my shoe off, readjust it, and then continue. And like it would just happen over and over again. And I had this like dress that was made of velvet that was meant for special occasions and that my mom would put me in as a kid. And I remember the seams of that dress just being really uncomfortable. I'm not sure what it was about one or two spots in that dress, but there were these particular places in the lining or the stitching, I guess not the lining, but the stitching that would really itch to the point of pain. It felt like it got a bit painful, which 
I would keep fidgeting with that particular spot or those spots. I feel like there were two, like one was probably the tag and one was the stitching. And like, I don't think there was anything sharp in that dress because like that doesn't even make sense, but it registered as pain. And yeah, like at the end of the night when I would, you know, get home and get changed, there would just be like this insane red patch and I guess my mom thought that it was rashes because, you know, in Singapore, it's hot, it's humid, and I was a really active kid, which is the ADHD piece, um, and the probably more likely autism piece is that, yeah, um, <laughs> uncomfortable textures hurt. Um, but yeah, she just probably thought that it was like a rash from running around, and that was something else that was missed. Now, remember how I said that I was often fidgety and it seemed like I couldn't really hold my focus for very long? Um, which to me, in my opinion, is probably like the ADHD more than autism in like the situations that I'm referring to, apart from like the stimming incidences. But um on the flip side of that, I could also just really sit down for hours and hours and hours or like be in bed for a really long time and not budge because I was doing something that I really, really liked. And that was something like reading. Um, reading was something that my mom encouraged since I was a kid. But you know, like looking back, I feel like there's only so much you can do to like get a kid to be interested, but that interest in reading or books has to ultimately come from them. But I had no problem whatsoever like getting lost in a book. So I basically just went everywhere as a kid with a book in my hand. Um, and back then, we used to go to the library to borrow books and you could borrow in the past like I think six books or eight books I want to say eight and like it, it's four now by the way for those of you who are wondering they've like reduced it to four but yeah so in the past I would have eight books um, a majority of them would be like fiction books like Nancy Drew that series I was obsessed with finishing it um, and then like my mom would make me borrow like two books that were nonfiction. And then two more books had to be like a mother tongue book. So I would just like this one time that I remember really clearly was that I was just reading and reading and reading and I finished like all of my fiction books. And I remember telling my mom, like, okay, can you go back to the library? You know, and I guess that's pretty unusual, right? Like, just kind of, like, nothing else exists. And I'm just kind of getting lost in this, like, other world. Um, I did have some of the stereotypical behaviors, actually. Like, the repetitive uh, behaviors. Or, wait, is it repetitive? Or is it, like, lining things up? which for me came in the form of like my phone card collection um, back in the 90s, you know, before we had like cell phones, we had like public phones that you could put in like a 10 cent coin or 
a phone card and I collected those. And I mean, there's not really anything you can do with a phone card, right? It's all used up. There's no more money in it. But I could like spend, I don't know how much time I spent, but I just sit down and arrange and rearrange my phone cards in like my album. I did the same with my CDs as well, like just kind of either rearranging them by artist or I don't know, like it was strange. And like McDonald's Happy Meal toys, I remember like, I guess I'm not sure if I played with them, but I definitely remember like laying them out and arranging them like, you know, like just kind of spreading them out and laying them out instead of really playing with them, like lining them up. So that was something unusual, and I know that this is something my mom did because when I was asking her if she remembers me doing that, um, the reason she didn't pick up on it, and the reason probably why my neurodivergence was missed or were missed was because she did the same thing as well when she was younger. So, you know, she's not going to look at that behavior and be like, oh, that's unusual. She just looked at it like, oh, you know, that's something I did too, and like, it is what it is. One more thing that I will also share about how like, it's very autistically coded, and how like ADHD played a part is that I would want to make friends as a kid, but I wasn't shy. I don't think I was a shy kid, but it would appear that way whenever I'm like met someone new and I wanted to play with them but I wouldn't know how to approach them and my mom would say just go up to them and say hi do you want to play with me um like do you want to play catch with me and so like I would go to the person and repeat that and like that's how you know as kids I guess it's really simple there's not much thinking about you know like do we get along do we gel you know it's just like you gotta play cool but I find that really interesting that you know, my mom kind of had to coach me and script like my approach to other people. Otherwise, I would just kind of like not wade into the fray of other kids playing. But when I did, and I'm not sure if this is the autism bit or ADHD, but I've been called bossy when I was a kid. Like, I was always the person with the ideas, always wanting to run around and always suggesting like, where we we could go, what games we could play, and um, it was like a apparently one-sided interaction. Um, So those were like my girlhood experiences. Of course, there's a lot more, but I thought that I would just record this first. Maybe I'll do a second part, but maybe it'll just be one part. But yeah, I just thought I'd put it out there for those of you who are questioning or trying to figure out if you are or are not on the spectrum and you found my podcast that way and I really hope that it helped you you know with all these like random-ish anecdotes and I'm also reading another book on autism right now like I finished Asper Girls and I've moved on to second book which I will do a read with me soon but this with this book I was like really like oh my god oh my god oh my god like so many highlights and I was starting to feel like imposter syndrome like kind of doubting if I had autism even though I literally had like three medical professionals or like people who are trained 
say that it's highly likely that I have autism because my report's coming next week. I was still doubting it, thinking like, did I make this up? You know, am I just, I don't know, just kind of really questioning it. And so when I read this book, the second book, I was like, no, okay, autistic as hell. And I mean, I don't question the ADHD at all because I am on Ritalin, 10 milligrams of it. And for the most part, it really helps me. So that to my mind is just like, yep, no doubt about that. So there you go. Um, If this was helpful, I'm glad. You know, if any of these resonated with you, I hope that it helps you feel a little less alone and a little, you know, more seen. It can be a bit of a lonely feeling if you've gone through most of your life, like, on the fringe of things. So I hope this finds you and feels like you're seen. Because that's what I felt when I was, you know, doing my own research and listening to podcasts and reading. So yeah, anyway, okay. I'm just going on and on. I'm going to... Um, get back to my cross stitch and I will update you folks probably after my next uh, my final actually my final appointment for the autism assessment which is basically just getting my report and let's see what it says and see if I feel comfortable enough to share what goes into an autism report Um, so yeah look out for it and I will catch you folks again soon in the meantime, I hope you all stay safe and take care. This has been Lauren for Little Miss Neurodivergence.